The accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba presents the 23rd College Football Hall of Fame season of Fighting Irish Preview. And now, the Banditos' fresh-made daily kickoff with your host, Phil Houck. Ladies and gentlemen, in this corner, the winners of nine national championships, the mighty men of Troy, the pride of the Golden State, the University of Southern California, Trojans! And in the other corner, winners of 13 national titles, the School of Rockney, the Gipper, Leahy, Parsegian, and Rudy, the University of Notre Dame, Fighting Irish! Let's get ready to rumble! Great players, great coaching, great effort. Last Saturday, on a cool fall evening, in an electric Notre Dame stadium, two blue blood heavyweights delivered a protracted struggle befitting of the great rivalry. The battle raged for 60 minutes and even spilled over onto halftime. Early on, the Irish offense stalled, and the Trojans took a 3-0 lead into the second quarter. But then the Irish combined doses of Tony Jones and Chase Claypool on a 97-yard march in nine plays to take an early lead that they would not relinquish. Minutes later, speed puncher Braden Lindsay delivered a 51-yard jet sweep score for a 14-3 lead, which was added to just before and after halftime on Jonathan Doerr field goals. And the Trojans looked to be on the ropes with the score at 20-3. But there was no way anyone was going to walk out on this struggle. The teams even scuffled on their way off field after the second quarter And sure enough, the Trojans rallied with a combination punch of their own. A field goal jab and a 38-yard TD pass to Amon St. Brown. That staggered the Irish as the Trojans got within a score going into the fourth and final round. Dorr extended the Irish points lead early with his third field goal punch of the day, but the Trojans answered with another TD pass body blow that reduced the points lead to just three with 10 minutes left in the battle. At that point, it was time for the Irish offensive line to answer the bell and take control of the Titanic match, and that meant brutally efficient blocking and the running attack of Tony Jones, Jameer Smith, and Ian Book, who slugged their way 75 yards down the field on 14 plays, 12 of them runs. Then the knockdown punch finally was delivered by Book with an eight-yard haymaker scramble into the end zone. On the cold-blooded drive, the Irish drained six minutes and 56 seconds off the clock. Down goes Frazier! Down goes Frazier! The Trojans got back on their feet for one final effort and a late score, but the Irish rope-a-dope worked, and they ran the clock out for a 30-27 win. Last Saturday, in a game reminiscent of so many others in the 93-year series, the Irish sent the proud men of Troy home bloodied with a narrow defeat and 77,000 fans home with memories of another classic Irish-Trojan war. Banditos with three Fort Wayne locations, Waynedale, Georgetown, and Glenbrook Commons. Banditos is fresh made daily. Now, stay tuned for Fighting Irish Insight from America's foremost authority on Notre Dame football, 
Tim Priester, Senior Editor of IrishIllustrated.com. After these words from Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, Sheer McCulloch Auctioneers, and Coors Light, the official beer of Saturday morning. This is Fighting Irish Preview. The University of Notre Dame exemplifies dedication to hard work, integrity, and personal values which result in success in the classroom and on the football field. The professionals at Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like Notre Dame, know the same dedication, and their experience and ability provides peace of mind. Combining local expertise with access to national and international experts through their affiliation with BDO, the fifth largest accounting firm in the world. Tax planning, tax compliance, auditing, business valuation, and estate planning. The full-service accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like the Irish, has what it takes to help you achieve success. Located in Fort Wayne near Jefferson Point, Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba proudly supports Notre Dame football and congratulates all those who are a part of the greatest tradition in all of sports. Go Irish! This is Art Salzberg. I don't endorse everybody, but I've found a company that I think provides a great service. The company is Shearer McCulloch, and what they do is targeted specifically for seniors, people who may be thinking about downsizing and are overwhelmed by the thought of what it's going to take. Shearer McCulloch will pack you up, move you, and then sell your house and everything that's left. Now that's the most comprehensive relocation service anywhere and what I call in sports terms covering all the bases. Sharon McCulloch uses an international auction platform to make sure your possessions are seen by the right buyers. They're looking to get top dollar from people who have an interest in the special treasures you've collected over the years. Sharon McCulloch is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and highly recommended by leading retirement communities and law firms. If Sharon and I decide to make a change in lifestyle, we'll be calling Sharon McCulloch at 441 441- 8636. That's 441-8636. We trust them, and we know they'll make things easy and profitable. Coors Light presents a word from Kirk Herbstreet. It's Saturday morning, and that means it's time for college football. It means your fridge is filled with Coors Light. It means last night's pizza is this morning's breakfast. And washing it down with your first Coors Light of the day is worthy of an ah. It's Saturday morning, and it means showers are optional. Make Saturday mornings even more chill with a fridge full of Coors Light, the official beer of Saturday morning. 2019 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Halk. Tim Priester, I know it's kind of a cliche, but in a rivalry game, really, you throw out the records. And yes, it came down to security and onside kick attempt. But the end of that game, I in that fourth quarter, I saw a chess match going on. And Tim, I, I thought the game really was won on the seven-minute drive by Ian Book that made it a two-score game. Yeah, I thought he showed a lot of toughness in that drive. There was a early third-down conversion to Chase Claypool, but when it came down to, there were some obviously some runs by Tony Jones Jr. had a had a great game and and uh, Jamir Smith as well. But when it came down to converting a third down, it was. It was Ian Book taking off for a 17-yard run and then what proved to be the, the game-winning touchdown or the, the game-padding touchdown at that point. And uh, I thought he showed a lot of toughness. He was banged up. You could see him wincing. Uh, he put the offense on his shoulders and made sure that they they got the, the, the touchdown drive that was necessary to hold off USC, which, you know, running that air raid offense, Notre basically had to install – 
uh, a one-week defense in preparation for that. So you could expect their offensive coordinator, Graham Harrell, to make adjustments in the second half. They did. Made Clark Lee's defense look bad, which rarely happens. But in a rivalry game, you're going to have that. And I thought Notre Dame played tough and deserved to win. And even Clay Helton said that Notre Dame deserved to win. Yeah, well, I thought that it, once the Irish, uh, I think, well, Brian Kelly realized, he goes, look, if I can take time off the clock here and get myself a two-score lead and by scoring a touchdown, I'm going to win this game. And then that came to pass because then the Irish went into their prevent defense, which drives fans crazy, drove me crazy to see uh, USC move down the field. But at that point, Brian Kelly knew that Irish, all they had to do was secure uh, an onside kick, and that was the chess match that the Irish won. Now, Tony Jones, 25 carries, 176 yards on the day. I think he said post-game that that was his most carries since grade school or something like that. Timmy looks like he has a great shot at a 1,000-yard season. Describe him as a back, strengths and weaknesses. He probably doesn't break a 4-6 in the 40, realistically. I think there are some games where he looks like he's a 4-5-5 guy, and then other games where he looks like he's a four six five guy um but he played great and he had a lot of room to run there's no doubt that Notre Dame's offensive line dominated a talented USC defensive line which is really shame on USC for giving up 300 yards to anybody I mean Notre Dame's ground game is certainly uh, on the uptick but um that that's kind of ridiculous to have that kind of game but I mean give them credit and Tony Jones I, I believe Philly said that that was the most carry since his sophomore year in high school. Brian Kelly, you know, Chip Long, offensive coordinator, has said he's not a guy that's going to carry 17, 18 guy, times a game, and here he carried 25. But uh, Jamar, uh, Jafar Armstrong was not ready to go, uh, and they really had no choice but to go with the experienced guy. You know he's going to protect the football. You know he's going to pass protect. And he showed himself like a, looking like a number one back. I asked him after the game if Notre Dame had a, a number one running back, and he kind of shyly said, "Well, you tell me." At least on last Saturday, last Saturday night against USC, he was that number one back. Yeah, truly a warrior like performance, and uh, and not to mention he has a great smile in his post game interviews. I guess I would be too after that kind of a performance, uh, Tim. What was the defensive move by USC that they employed that opened up those run lanes for the Irish? Brian Kelly talked about it post game. Well, I, I kind of thought it was a little bit of a knee jerk reaction. They completed a, a downfield throw to to Chase Claypool, and from that point, that was in the opening drive. From that point, they pretty much went to a, a, a two safety uh, a cover two on the the back end. Now. I get it because USC's secondary is very, very young. Their corners uh, have been beaten up a little bit. Uh, but it was somewhat of an overreaction. They said to Notre Dame, go ahead and beat us with your running game. And Notre Dame said, thank you very much. We will do that by rushing for over 300 yards. So it's a talented USC front. They've got a couple of good linebackers, but they're young on the back end. And uh, they dared Notre Dame, and Notre Dame took the dare. I agree with you, a knee-jerk reaction, especially since you know throwing the ball up the field has not been Notre Dame's strength this season. But as as soon as uh, Ian Book found Chase Claypool one time, uh, they went to that deep cover too. Uh, now defensively in this football game for the Irish, a really nice job, obviously, of holding that receiver court overall down, especially Michael Pittman, just four catches for 29 yards. Tim, how did the Irish – 
keep Michael Pittman, who's going to be in the NFL for a long time, I have a feeling. How'd they, how'd they keep him down in this game? They, they ran a coverage. I mean, Nordin was in, in, in nickel uh, personnel most of the night, a coverage they call uh, double cloud. And that, that was three safeties on the back end and then man up with your corners. But wherever Michael Pittman went, uh, that's where Kyle Hamilton went. Now, that is not a knee-jerk reaction. That is a prudent move not to try to throw over the top to one of your receivers with with Kyle Hamilton swooping in. And so they avoided that. They held him to uh, Michael Pittman. That is four catches for 29 yards. His longest reception was just 11 yards. And that was who Notre Dame, Brian Kelly, Clark Lee pinpointed as the guy that they really needed to curtail. That opened up some running avenues for their, their running backs. And that's why uh, Brian Kelly mentioned during the week that USC rushed for 200 yards against Washington. Well, the reason they did was because Washington was in drop eight and they gave him the running game. And so that's what Notre Dame did as well. But Kyle Hamilton's a real weapon, whether he, whether he's actually making a play on a ball or uh, just presenting a threat to the opposing uh, passing game on the back end, he's uh, he's a valuable player. So that's how they covered it. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown had a big day, but somebody in that trio of receivers is going to have a big day. But they wanted to limit Pittman because he's their main deep threat, and they did a great job of that. Yeah, freshman Kyle Hamilton, uh, described by an Irish illustrated writer by named Tim Priester this week as a condor swooping down on the football. Uh, yeah, he was key to stopping Michael Pittman, and uh, he's going to be the key to stopping a lot of uh, other players, I think, in his Notre Dame career. Uh, Tim, my MVP for the game, Jonathan Dorr, three high-pressure long field goals, 43, 45, and 52 yards. And on top of that, the extra point operation has been flawless all season long and, and, and last Saturday, of course. And of course, he was a big concern entering the season, but no more. Tim, what flipped the switch for Door? I think it starts with the mental part of it and just slowing everything down and having confidence in yourself, which is always easy to say, but just slowing down the operation and trusting the process. And the process has become a lot better. You know, we talked about this in our podcast this week. I mean, you know, in the spring, there was there was hook to his kicks. Now, when it comes off his foot, whatever direction it comes off his foot, that's the direction it's going to. It's going to stay on a straight line, and he's really good. I mean, he is a big kid. He's 6'3", 205. I don't think people realize exactly how big he is. Uh, you notice it when you uh, get him in interview situations. Of course, that wasn't after the game because Notre Dame chose not to bring him out. But we have spoken to him before in the spring game, and he's a big kid, and he's got the operation down, and his confidence is high. And uh, he was as significant as any player that Notre Dame put on the field Saturday night. Yeah, he is now 27-27 on extra points and 6-7 on field goals for the season. Game ball winner last Saturday. Jonathan Doerr is is in the zone, and uh, let's hope he stays there. Okay, Tim, we're going to move through this next segment fairly quickly, but it's time for some midterm grades. And uh, we'll go through the various uh, operations of the football team and ask you to give a grade. And the four possible grades are... College football playoff level, New Year's Day six level, minor bowl game level, or home for the holidays as to how these areas of the team have performed. And let's start with the offensive line. Pass blocking, good all year. I like 308 yards against USC. What is your take? 
I'd say New Year's Six. I mean, I think they've been a solid B. They got off to a very slow start with the with the running game, but um, the last three weeks they've really been they've been brilliant, coinciding with Tony Jones Jr. So, um, you know, I think you get graded based upon uh, where you're headed, where you are, and where you're headed. And right now, where they are and where they're headed is is uh, on the rise. So, I would give them a a, a solid B. Maybe you could, I guess you could probably say B minus because of a slow start, but uh, they're trending up. They are trending up and they're all going to be back. Eichenberg, Banks, Patterson, Kramer, and Hainsey. Uh, and I especially like how that uh, sophomore Jared Patterson, uh, who's got three more years of eligibility after this year, has developed at center. Now let's go to the receivers. Tim, not exactly what was expected preseason. Broken collarbones. Chris Fink not having a big season. But Chase Claypool has been productive at times. Cole Komet has played outstanding since his injury. How has this group performed? Yeah, I'd have to say minor bowl, a third of those uh, categories. I mean, Chase, Chase Claypool is a warrior. He's very good. Cole Komet is very good. Uh, but beyond that, it's been very inconsistent. Michael Young was injured. Uh, they tried to move Chris Fink to Michael Young's spot. That didn't work very well. Lawrence Keyes has been a bit player and then banged up. Uh, they haven't gotten a whole lot. You know, Tommy Trumbull probably is is one of the more productive guys up to this point, but his numbers are fairly limited. So, um, you know, the front runners at those that at at wide receiver and tight end are playing very well, but the depth of of those positions, considering how many receivers they use, is probably minor bowl level. Well, Cole Komet has averaged 5.2 catches per game. If that continues, maybe we can nudge that grade up by the end of the season. Let's hope. Uh, next up, running back. The only constant here has been Tony Jones, who, has, as we said earlier, has been a warrior. Uh, Jafar Armstrong should start to contribute soon. Uh, but you got to like that seven-yard per carry average by Jones. What's your take on the running back situation? Yeah, I mean, if you just take it based upon seven yards per carry, you'd say that's playoff level. But I don't, I don't know that that's an accurate depiction of who he is. So I would say New Year's Six uh, bowl level. But he's been great. I mean, seven yards per carry for the six games he's had more than one hundred yards. Um, hasn't done much in the other two games, but um, you know, I mean, of course, that coincides with the offensive line considering. What the expectations were, uh, I, I'd, I'd put him in a, the, the number two category there. Well, that's not bad. In uh, uh, room for improvement there with Jafar Armstrong coming back, that could be the missing link, we hope. Okay, quarterback Ian Book, 1,400 yards, 63% passer, 14 touchdowns, only two interceptions, makes plays with his legs. Historically, Tim, those are really good numbers, but we were expecting more out of Book. What's missing? What's your grade? Uh, well, the grade would be a New Year's Six Bowl. I mean, and and we saw when he was in a playoff game that that was a a, a little bit uh, a little bit much for him to handle, um, as it would be for most quarterbacks. I I give him a you know if I were to put an actual letter grade on it, I would give him a B minus. Uh, I know a lot of people would say it's been worse than that, but you. You have to take everything into consideration, and one of the huge considerations is protecting the football. He's thrown just two interceptions. Both came in one game, which means he's been clean in the other five. And at the end of the day, it's his job to to protect the football first and foremost. I don't think he's gotten, a, as we mentioned with the receivers, a, a, a ton of 
of help beyond the two guys. So, you know, he yes, we expect him to be better. He can be better. Uh, but I still think it's been a fairly solid performance for a guy who's, hey, in all of his starts, what is it, 15 or 16, he's lost to Clemson and Georgia. So would most other quarterbacks. That's a good point. And, uh, you know, I just love the leadership and the, and the grit that I thought Book showed on that uh, game-clinching uh, drive against USC. Uh, other side of the ball, defensive line, Kareem, Aquara, Jones, Ogundehi had combined to play well and to rush the quarterback. Tim, give us a grade, but also focus on Tagovailoa, Mosa, Heinish in the center of things. Into the, coming into the season, they were real question marks. Yeah, the, the tackles have come a, a long way, and MTA has really been great the last few games. I'd call it a minor six bowl because they really start slowly against Louisville and Mexico. But Georgia, Virginia, Bowling Green, they were great. Um, USC, not so much. But a lot of that was by design. I mentioned, you know, how they were approaching the USC offense. So they were, um, you know, in general, there was a shortage of numbers in the box. And so they got gashed a little bit. But uh, MTA has, has made huge progress. I think Kurt Heinisch has been very good the last four games, and then the pass rush has picked up uh, ever since the Virginia game. So it's right there on the cusp uh, of playoff level. And that, I mean, that's an area that D-line definitely trending up. Absolutely. I, I, I like that a lot of those guys, particularly the guys in the middle, will be back next year. Okay, Tim, linebackers, I would say a pleasant surprise here. Uh, what's your grade? Well, if you base it upon what was expected of them, they played to a to a playoff level. Uh, they've been, you know, Asmar Bilal has become a player I never expected to see. Drew White is a very natural, uh, instinctive linebacker. He's been very, very good. He was used in a limited role because of the scheme against uh, against USC. And and then uh, Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa has been really, really good. And I think we expected that. So. Uh, I mean, in terms of, and it's mainly Bilal. I mean, I, I, that that's a guy that's playing a level that we didn't expect. I would say that this is a uh, this is a, a, a linebacker core that is really, really trending up. And uh, all the players in the Irish two deep right now at the three linebacker positions, except for Bilal, will be back. They all have uh, eligibility remaining. Now, Tim, let's go on to safeties and corners. Sean Crawford has been really missed. Uh, hopefully he gets back soon, but overall this has been a really good group and especially been fun watching freshman Kyle Hamilton play football. Uh, what level are they at at midterm? You know, as a unit from a productivity standpoint, I think they're threatening playoff level. Are they that good, really? No, they're probably more of a New Year's Six uh, bull-type secondary because I don't think Troy Pride's made the, the plays that were expected. You know, their safeties are outstanding. Uh, Gilman and Elliott with Hamilton. That's about as good as it gets. They've got a little bit of hole at corner right now, uh, although they should get Sean Crawford back. Uh, it's been a good unit. I mean, they they are right on pace as they were last year and just giving up 10 uh, passing touchdowns on the season. They've given up five through six games. It's a really, really good unit and one that they can count on. You know, you can make some mistakes on the front end because you know the back end of that defense is pretty good. But they need Sean Crawford back to really be able to reach their potential. Okay, well, we'll talk about that injury in the second segment. But uh, Sean Crawford, a key 
Uh, lots of New Year's Bowl six ratings from you. And one last one, Tim. Uh, talk about the coaching on this team. Uh, a lot of adjustments have been made, a lot of accolades for Clark Lee and, and maybe fewer for Chip Long, but uh, Brian Kelly also getting his share. How do you rate the coaching staff? Yeah, first of all, I would say, you know, except for the uh, Virginia game, the special teams were playoff level. They've been really, really good. Now, they were really, really bad in that game, an F-level uh, grade. But as far as the, as the coaching, um, you know, I, I, I guess I still have to say New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, but they, they, Brian Kelly and his coordinators have really developed one heck of a program here, one that you can – you can count on on a weekly basis. Do they make it interesting sometimes? Yeah. But the bottom line is uh, that in the last two years, this team is 17-2 and two at this point, and um, they've done a great job. Brian Kelly has kind of found the formula. He doesn't have it all figured out. Uh, he's not among the elite, and we know who the elite are, uh, but he's become a really good football coach, a good head coach, and his coordinators especially Clark Lee, I think, is trending towards uh, uh, having an opportunity to be a head coach pretty soon. Yeah, well, I like the overall picture that this uh, coaching staff has developed. Thanks, Tim. Coming up, it's the all-time Irish hero. Early line on Michigan, injury report, and the world-famous Irish Illustrated prediction. And during the break, it's the Fighting Irish Fact of the Week, brought to you by our friends at Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba. This is the 332nd edition of Fighting Irish Preview. Treat each house as if it was your own. Our mission statement at Bushy's Windows, Doors, and Remodeling. Hi, I'm Jim Bushy. At Bushy's, we're proud of our home improvement products that we offer, and we are even more proud of the award-winning installers who will come to your home. Right now, take advantage of our 12-month 0% interest payment plan, and estimates are always free. So call Bushy's at 456-1247, stop into our showroom, or check out Bushy'sFW.com. Bushy's Windows, Doors, and Remodeling. Your clear choice. Your clear choice is Bushies. Your clear choice is Bushies. The Fighting Irish Fact of the Week is brought to you by our friends at the accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba. In high school, Ian Book completed 65% of his passes. At Notre Dame so far, he has completed 66% of his passes. Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba is a full-service accounting firm dedicated to professional, personalized service and guidance on a wide range of financial and business needs. Hey, I'm Kirk Herbstreet, and I watch college football like it's my job. It is your job. I know, but sometimes I like to get out of the booth and chill. Here, have a Coors Light. Thanks. So, where was I? You're on my couch. In my spot. Oh, is this your spot? It's a nice spot. Great view. Make Saturday mornings even more chill with a fridge full of Coors Light, the official beer of Saturday morning. 2019 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Halk. This is Fighting Irish Preview. The Irish have a bye this week. 
Next week, they take on the Michigan Wolverines. TV coverage on ABC for that game will start at 7.30 p.m. South Bend time. And it's now time for the all-time Irish hero, brought to you by the Marina at Lake Gage. Chris Craft, Master Craft, and Premier Pontoons, we share your boating passion. And now we continue our series on the great defensive players of the last 60 years. Last week, ferocious defensive lineman and 1977 unanimous All-American, Ross Browner. This week, another player who achieved unanimous All-American status. Bob Golick, the first of the two great Golick brothers who made their mark in South Bend. Bob came out of Cleveland, Ohio, where he had made his mark on the football field and as a wrestler, having won the State of Ohio Heavyweight Championship his senior year. 6'3", 244. He moved into the starting middle linebacker position in 1975, his freshman year, and stayed in the starting lineup at a couple of different positions for four years. In the 1978 Cotton Bowl, he had 17 tackles in the Irish domination of Heisman Trophy winner Earl Campbell, and he was named that game's MVP. In 1979, he set an all-time school record that has since been tied with 26 tackles in a game against Clemson. And while Golick was earning those All-American honors on the football field, he posted a 54-4-1 and and record as a heavyweight wrestler and finished in the top four among all wrestlers nationally twice. Tim, Bob Golick was a dominant player for four years in the late 1970s. That he was, and a guy with a whole bunch of personality, too. They did some different things defensively back then, and so at one point he was a middle guard on a five-man front and a, a middle linebacker as well. Went on to have a nice pro career. Uh, it led to the arrival of Mike Golick, who was very productive. He was a guy that was in school when I was, and I got to know a little bit then. And there was another Golick brother, Greg Golick, who was an offensive lineman, um, a little bit more of a nondescript player. But there were actually three Golick brothers, and Bob was the best of them, and, and he went on to have the best uh, – a college and professional career. How could I have forgotten Greg Golick? Because I certainly remember him now. In any event, uh, Bob Golick uh, was a second-round draft pick of the New England Patriots, also played for the Browns and Raiders during his 14-year professional career, a three-time pro bowler. After football, he pursued an acting career and was a regular on Saved by the Bell and appeared in several movies. Bob Golick, another Marina at Lake Gage all-time Irish hero. The Marina at Lake Gage, we love boats. And it's now time for the Aspen Mortgage early line on Michigan. Entering this week's game at Happy Valley against number 7 Penn State, Michigan is 5-1. and one. Last week, they allowed a weak Illinois team to rally in the second half before they finally put them away with two late scores, 42-25. to 25. In Week 3, Wisconsin dominated the Wolverines en route to a 35-14 win. Uh, the Shea Patterson-led offense has been fumble-prone with 13 lost, but overall they seem to have found some run pass balance. However, they're ranked 84th nationally in total offense, 111th in the red zone. Defensively, the Wolverines given up just 17.5 points per game. That's 15th best in the nation. Uh, the matchup this week against Penn State will tell us a lot about the Wolverines, Tim Priester, and we're going to get into a prediction on that later in the show. But what is the Aspen Mortgage early line on the Michigan Wolverines? Well, the, the actual line that I saw was Michigan favored by 6.5 over Notre Dame next weekend, which is a little hard to believe. But 
Yeah, I mean, everything you're saying about them, Phil, is, is accurate. They're struggling. Uh, Shea Patterson, I think, has played a little better here maybe in the last couple games, but um, still somewhat of a weak link for them. They haven't run it as well as they expected. 13 lost fumbles. Unbelievable. And Patterson's a big part of that. Uh, their defense we knew wasn't going to be as good as it was last year, but it's still Don Brown, and they're still doing a good job. I, I, it's an interesting matchup with Penn State. I think it's a low-scoring game. Uh, I know that Penn State's defense is young, but, man, they are really trending. Michigan's going to have a very difficult time putting points on the board against Penn State at Penn State. No doubt about it, uh, and we're going to get to a prediction of that in just a minute. Uh, and that is Tim Priester's Aspen Mortgage early line on Michigan. And Tim Priester, for this week's Aspen Mortgage uh, Player of the Week, Pick a couple of guys who uh, have emerged on one on each side of the ball in the first six games of the year. Well, I was going to talk extensively about Tony Jones, but we've already done that. So he's my pick on the offensive side because I, I was thinking, who are the players that six games ago we didn't suspect would be playing to the level that they are? I'd, I'd choose Tony Jones on offense. Defensively, it's Asmar Bilal. I guess I touched on him as well. But, I mean, that's a guy that I think has really pulled everything together. For that defense, he was very significant. The only guy with any real playing experience at linebacker, and it was essential that he was one of the guys that emerged, and he's done that. He he is playing so confidently and instinctually now, and he's always been a really good athlete, uh, but he's a guy that's really, really stepped forward for the defense. Okay, Tony Jones and Asmar Bilal are your Aspen Mortgage uh, key players this week, Aspen Mortgage, for all your mortgage needs, call 486-LOAN. And it's now time for the Injury Report, brought to you by Indiana Physical Therapy. Your choice for physical therapy now with 19 Indiana locations. Uh, Tim, with or without injuries, midterm exam week is a good time for a buy in the fall for the Irish in particular. But how do the Irish stand health-wise heading into their off week? I think I might have said last week better than at any point, but then Jafar Armstrong still seemed to be a little bit limited. As of now, the projection is that Sean Crawford returns for the Michigan game, and you would expect certainly Jafar Armstrong to be that much healthier. I don't think that there was anything of real note coming out of the USC game. So now I'm going to say that this is the healthiest that Notre Dame has been because, of course, Cole Komet is hitting on all cylinders. Michael Young is not, including fumbling even when nobody touches him or, or uh, causes a fumble on a kick return. But uh, but he's healthy. Everybody's back. They should be going to Ann Arbor, the healthiest that they have been all season. Okay, that's great. The Irish uh, uh, came out of the USC game clean and hopefully will go into the big Michigan game the same way. And Sean Crawford coming back from the injury he suffered uh, is just remarkable. Thanks, Tim. And that is the Indiana Physical Therapy Injury Report. And it's now time for the world-famous Irish Illustrated prediction brought to you by irishillustrated.com. Tim Priester, for this week, without an ND game, to predict, let's predict the next best thing. The Michigan at Penn State game. Vegas has Penn State favored by nine points over the Wolverines. What does America's foremost authority say? Yeah, I think the, I think the nine points is a good line. I, I, I meant to double check on what the over-under is, but whatever it is, I think it's going uh, under. I, I think it's going to be that type of game. Um, 
I, I think Michigan's going into a really, really tough environment. Them losing and then hosting Notre Dame is not a good thing for Notre Dame, I wouldn't think, uh, although their playoff hopes would be dashed with a, with a second loss uh, this weekend. So I, I like Penn State winning. I still, I still think Penn State has some difficulty scoring, but I'm going to go with Penn State 27, Michigan 16. Penn State 27, Michigan 16. That is Tim Priester's world-famous Irish Illustrated prediction. And Now, Tim, I'm going to revert to the old days when I would just give my wish and not my prediction in this segment. And here's what I'd like to see, that Michigan and Penn State bludgeon each other for four quarters, so much so that Michigan isn't quite recovered for the Notre Dame game. And now... And if Michigan gets the win, I'm afraid that would have that crowd in Ann Arbor all fired up, uh, thinking that they've turned their seasons around and that they're bound for glory uh, against the Irish, which would impact the Irish. But that's what it's got to be because Notre Dame needs a quality win against a Michigan team that, that beats Penn State. So my wish is Michigan 23, Penn State 21. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Phil. Go Irish, and thanks for listening to Fighting Irish Preview. Special thanks to Jim Shovelin, Art Salzberg, and studio producer Adam Schenkel. Fighting Irish Preview is the copyrighted property of Judge Phil Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.